Welcome. Now, my name is D. Ludlow. Now, before we get into this episode, go to the description, click the link and get your M&A Mastery Toolkit. This is a free download, which gives you some of the tools and resources that you need to start your M&A journey. Don't forget, go to the description, click the link. It's a free download and enjoy the episode. You know, you're actively putting yourself out there now. What do you think the things has helped most in regards to building that sort of brand awareness, brand equity, uh, and really growing it from where it was previously? I'd probably just say the simple things, making a Facebook profile, yeah. making an Instagram profile, getting on LinkedIn, where um, what we I actually rang Lauren on the way down here because they had an idea. What we're going to do now is create a Facebook group for electricians in the UK. We're obviously not electricians, but the more people that know about us, mm. the more people kind of, it, it grows our brand. Yeah. So we're going to create a community and we're just going to post like memes and like yeah. stuff like bad workmanship that electricians post yeah. themselves on Facebook, create that community. So we've got the Facebook group and then obviously, like you say, it grows the brand at the same time. But the, the simplest thing was just branding the company. Mm. It had no logo. Yeah. It had no like catchphrase. It had like, so there was nothing there whatsoever. So when you looked at the company, you just thought, oh, it's just a, it's just a wholesaler's. But now we're words electrical rather than just a, an ordinary high street wholesaler. Yeah, and I think you made a good point with the Facebook group, right? Because I remember um, in the group we mentioned someone mentioned to me before, and I posted it in the group. Um, you can make a group, a Facebook group, and you could say, let's say you're looking in the electrical wholesaler sector. You could be like, electrical wholesalers, you know, turning over seven figures or one million and above, um, and then you just start adding those into the group, and then before you know it, you're creating a group. Of businesses that are kind of pre-qualifying themselves yeah. for what you're targeting so what you're doing is a great way of definitely getting exposure and awareness and it's quite creative because you know it's something that I haven't really seen people do to to grow their actual individual company mm -hmm. and if you did it in for, for instance you know I think we spoke before about you know geofence in certain areas yeah. and stuff but you know just by you being online now people coming in you know, I know. I remember when you first started branding, even the vans, the the the, the sign on the shop that yeah. wasn't there before. <laughs> I remember you sent me a photo actually of it beforehand, and um, before you put the signs up, and you wouldn't even know it even existed, mm -hmm. right? So, the fact that this company has been going for over thirty years, and it was still doing the sort of revenue that it was doing, with some margin improvement and some of the things that you've done, you you it's picked up a really good business, but that needs some TLC. And someone with energy to go in there and of course needed changes and yeah. you've done a fantastic job of that and i think that um the fact that you did spend time doing it has been has worked wonders right um now on our previous podcast that unfortunately isn't going to get released but this one's definitely gonna be better yeah. <laughs> um you said that your goal was to be bigger than screw fix right and i loved it when you said that yeah. right so this sort of growth strategy that you're on What's the sort of time horizon in your mind? A few people have asked me this and I've never really had the answer because everyone that I've spoken to in M&A, in acquisitions, that are kind of in a sector that they wasn't familiar with before, they was like, oh, I've grown a group in five years and they'll sell it. I was like, I don't want to sell it. I don't want to get out of the electrical industry in five years. Maybe get out of the electrical wholesaling industry, mm. but not the electrical industry because it's... It, I've been doing it since I was 14. Mm. So it's a passion that my dad handed down to me. So it's something that I hold quite close and like it, it excites me. When I go to work, it excites me talking about the different products, negotiating prices with reps and stuff like that. So it does excite me. So I've not really got a time horizon. I don't want to take it up on 
some sixties and seventies and still be mm. like managing director of a wholesalers. But I don't. I've got no rush to get out of the industry whatsoever. Yeah, and I think the whole thing about building a group and selling it, of course, there is loads of perks, right? Like you know, building up, selling it on at a, a, a lot, of, an increased multiple for what you've averagely bought the group and the individual businesses in the group for. But things change too, right? And like you just said, like you stepped away for the last three weeks, and you know you've made sure you've had your reports and you're seeing the things that can be automated and hands off and then other things you've already pointed out that you know maybe we do need to do a little bit of that now imagine getting a group um you know pushing out you know even five mil EBITDA let's say we, we you got it to that level right imagine you could get it to that level and you operate it like you have been for the last three weeks it's a big decision to make right mm-hmm. let's say you could sell the group for then 30 million right but you're going to get 30 million one lump, which obviously isn't bad. <laughs> of course not. Um, but on the other side, you've got cash flows, everything, right? Yeah. And knowing that money's coming in month on month feels good rather than just having a lump sum, right? Yeah. Um, so it's a big decision to make that like, do I want this five mil coming in every year that I know for a fact pretty much is coming in because over a long period of time you've built it, you've maintained it and you're still hunting. Yeah. Or do I want this big lump sum now? And then I'm like, what do I do next? Right. Yeah. So, you know, and I think when you scale through acquisition, those are the things you run into. They're all good problems to have. Right. But it is a sort of like, which one do you want? So, and also you change personally in your goals. Yeah. Right. And when we talk about the time horizon, everybody wants to do it in 36 months. Yeah. Everyone does. They're like, oh, do it in 36 months, find a private equity group and then just offload it. Right. And then, Things change. You know yourself now, being a business owner, things change all the time, right? That 36 months can turn into 15 years. Yeah. And, you know, the end goal is still good, mm-hmm. even if it is 15 years. But I think that it's good to have targets and goals and, and have a time horizon, but also be ready to adapt as yeah. well. So, 100%. I think, I think things will change because, like yeah. I say, I've, I've got my first business and I am talking to other businesses but I'm also having conversations in different sectors. Like there's a rep that came in just to sell us our products. And he was talking about like the manufacturing space. I was like, right, well, that's interesting. And he's quite entrepreneurial, lives down in Wales. And I've stayed in touch with him. And I'm like, right, well, Joe, that's opened my eyes to that kind of sector. There's another sector where we were speaking to him. We were both on the call. And he was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I've got a wholesalers up in York. But I also own like a, a massive renewable energy company. Yeah that's gone from doing 1.8 mil a year in 2021 to two mil a month in 2022. So when, <laughs> when them numbers start getting thrown at you, you start getting excited. Yeah. So straight away, you're looking in different sectors. So like you say, it, it, I could end up in 36 months selling the electrical wholesaling industry, but I think the electrical industry, that's where it'll kind of stay floating around there. Yeah, definitely. You just said something then about negotiating prices and stuff. And you know, just to give anyone listening to this some of the things you do have to adapt to, What's the sort of things that you've run into since, you know, post-acquisition, it's great you've grown the business, but things don't always go to plan. So what's some of the things, the complications that you run into post-acquisition? How long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing is, is the economy. Last yeah. year, we was, we was looking at the numbers last year, but this year, the cost of products have gone up, mm. which obviously we're trying to stay competitive with the next wholesaler in our area. Mm. So we're keeping our products the same price, but the cost of us more to buy. So straight away, your gross profit margin's gone down. 
then fuel prices gone up so your profit margin's gone down and then to take that product to your customer that's costing you more than it was last year yeah. so your profit margin's going even further down and then the energy bills to keep your warehouse lit up that's going up so your profit margin's down yeah. again so it's all trying to find the balance of not ripping off your customer and not your customer going oh well i can get it cheaper next door and at the same time making sure that you're making enough profit to keep yourself in business definitely i've seen a lot of um it depends on sector but i know construction uh, haulage etc they've now sort of um have like adjusted inflation um on like fuel and certain products um because look you know some of these um developers for instance you know are, are quoting on developments and they quoted it like 24 months ago yeah. and then now everything's adjusted they have to adjust for those you know otherwise there's no margin right yeah. and you can't work for free so yeah exactly and, and i know haulage are doing it too like they have no choice you know <laughs> the way fuel keeps going yeah. up <laughs> they have no choice so um yeah so from becoming an electrician to to business owner how do you feel that your mindset has changed and what's been most influential for you in that transition because a lot has changed yeah. in the last 24 Massively. months for you right yeah um well first first of all i thought being self-employed meant you knew what business was mm. until you get into a business that's turning over a million a year you've got over six staff and then you've got everyone to kind of everyone's looking at you going what's the next move so straight away i was learning what business actually was like i had an idea of how to look at the accounts and stuff, but you don't really know what the numbers are until you're in there and you're trying to delegate your bank balance to each and every every individual bill. So th that was the hardest bit, was learning business, I'd say. And you kind of get thrown in the deep end when you buy a business and everyone kind of looks at you and goes, what's changing and what's not changing? Well, the good thing was the team that mm -hmm. took over, they kind of, like you said before, they was welcoming the changes because they've been stuck in the Stone Ages for so long. They wanted to see the change, so they was throwing suggestions at me. Mm. It was like, oh, we're still doing invoices on pen and paper. Is there any systems out there? So I started looking at systems, and there was like oh, a couple of customers have been like saying, oh, you could do a spruce up in the shop front. So we did a shop refurb, mm. so stuff like that. And then um, the most influential one, I probably, I, I, I'm gonna have to stick with with the running the business. That's where I feel like I've really grown personally, was knowing how to run the business and knowing what people. I like when you are the boss because obviously I've always been self-employed, one-man band. Never really had anyone looking up to me and going, right, what's the play here? And now I've got seven people looking up to me and going, yeah. your fuel price has gone up. Even the, when it comes down to the driver, he's filling up every week. He can yeah. still see the fuel fuel price is going up. Yeah. And he's going, it's costing us more and more to get out. And I'm like, yeah, well, this is the challenges that we've got. It's either we sit there and go, oh, no more deliveries. Or we figure out a way how to implement the profit back up by offering different deals. Yeah. What, so, what do you think since being becoming you know a business owner? What, what do you feel is the biz, biggest hack being a business owner? What, what, what's what's the biggest perk for you? Zero. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the easiest thing when it comes to accounting. It automates absolutely yeah. everything for you. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying this because Lauren will listen to this and go, he's never used zero since we got in there. <laughs> Lauren does all that. I wouldn't yeah. be able to do anything without Lauren, honestly. She's yeah. handled all the admin stuff. And I feel like that's why we've been able to implement so much growth and so much improvements because I've been able to focus on the, the improvements. And so Lauren's kind of gone, you do you. I've got all the admin stuff in the background. 
don't worry about any of that and that's what I'm guessing makes a great team. Yep, and that's one of the questions I want to ask actually is, you know, you guys work hand in hand together, you know, you work very good together from an outsider looking in anyway. Mm -hmm. um, uh, don't want to stir the pot. But <laughs> no, it looks good. You know, you're both very ambitious. You know, she's got her own things going on too, which she's also successful in. So, how do you feel? What, how, what works best in, within your relationship in regards to the work side? Choosing what you're good at, and then that's it. Yeah. Don't don't step on each other's toes. Like Lauren, never get involved in me talking to the staff and saying like when I call staff meetings and go right, this is what we need to improve. This is where we're slacking. I've been speaking to a few customers. This is why they're annoyed. We need to change this. Lauren will never get involved in stuff like that. Where when it comes to the accounts and running the numbers, I'd never get involved in stuff like that. I, I, I take her word as gospel. Yeah. So if she says, this is not right, it's not right to me. And then that's when I'll take action within the company. So that's important, right? And like knowing that like your role, right? Yeah. And I think that that's important in any JV, whether it's your actual relationship or just whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, it's important to understand roles and responsibilities and, and knowing what you're, you're good at and what you're not good at. Um, so one of the things that um, is a big talking point is work-life balance, right? And when you work with your partner, um, and obviously you're in a relationship too, you work with your partner, um, people keep trying to find balance in it, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's, it's a thing that... You know, me and Adam spoke before this and about labeling and people label stuff like you need to do this or yeah. you need to have this, right? Do you have something in place for work-life balance or do you just live? <laughs> we just live. Yeah. We do. I don't feel the need to, but this is my personal opinion, I don't feel the need to, like you say, label things like, oh, you've got to have a date night mm -hmm. and then you're not allowed to talk about business. We are business partners at the end of the day and we love what we do. Yeah. So why strictly rule out at one single night where you're not allowed to talk about work mm. when we both obviously the ones to talk about work there's yeah. stuff there's ideas that we want to bounce yeah. off each other so why restrict yourselves and other people might be different where yeah. work gets a lot for them mm. so they have to have the date night to kind of reset the minds and reset the relationship and kind of stay on that healthy road but me and lauren we, we love what we do we love working together so the date night we could be sat there and I don't know, TGIs, yeah. and we'd talk for an hour about work. Yeah. So th it's not really a date night, it's just going out for a meal and doing what you do in the day anyway. Yeah, and I think like you made a good point of like, you know, loving what you do, and I feel that when people try and find balance, if they're trying to find balance away from something they don't fully enjoy or they're not passionate about, yeah. whereas if you enjoy what you do and, you know, you, you, you love the thing that, you know, whether it's work, business, whatever it is, you know, it, it's kind of part of the whole balance anyway yeah. that is part of balance you know i think that um people try and find balance in everything they try and find balance in you know lifestyle um diet but then you know you, you could ask everyone all the top people in the world what a healthy balanced diet is they're all going to give you different answers yeah. right balance is very hard to find in anything i feel that if you try and label it and try and find it it's going to be hard yeah. that's just an opinion but yeah i think like you said you know just just live and don't label yeah. it enjoy it you know when things are getting too much and when they're not so yeah i just want to ask you that because you know um when um you know life partners are in a in a business relationship too is you know a lot of people from the outside looking in like how does that work because you know if people haven't experienced it before you know they're like well how, how does that you know how, yeah, how does yeah. it work and what, what 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 complications does that bring as well um yeah so a few of the things since 
being a business owner um what's been like i think we but we it was on one of the previous um like money challenge or something when i talked about trophies right and rewarding yeah. yourself right have you thought about certain targets before you've rewarded yourself or is it just something like look i work hard this is why i did this so i'm going to reward myself how do you yeah how do you reward yourself how do you grant yourself well, trophies in life originally when i first took over yeah, a few people when they do buy the business kind of have like an agent fee well a deal fee i said so you should deal, take a deal yeah, fee yeah, yeah. Deal <laughs> fee. that's a fancy word of taking a bit of money when yeah. you first take over treat yeah, yourself yeah so but the one thing that i didn't want to do because the books were all over the show we mm. never had concrete figures to work on so i didn't want to go in there and go right taking 10 grand day and taking 10 grand day mm. and the next thing three months down the line go Oh, we didn't account for this. Yeah, we, we, Joe, we, we shouldn't have done this. We was a bit silly. So this is why we spent six months really getting the accounting software in there, getting the system in there, so we can look at the data and go, this is how what we're turning over each month. If we don't turn over a hundred grand a month and it's only seventy grand a month, Joe, we're, we're really in like the red. But six months down the line, touch wood, everything's going well, um, and the the kind of deal fee that I've been waiting on was the Rolex. I always yeah. said to Lauren, even before I did the um, before I did the acquisition, we're getting married in September. I said, I'd like to wear a nice watch. I've never owned a nice watch in my life. I'd like to wear the Rolex with my wedding suit and have it on all the pictures. It was kind of a little life ambition yeah. of mine. Um, one thing, the other thing we invested in was crypto, Bitcoin. Yeah. We, um, me and you have been into it for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. It's not too good at the minute. <laughs> but, well, that's what, the thing is, it's yeah. not good at the minute, but if yeah. it was these figures... 12 months ago yeah. everyone would have been like oh i wish it was 20 i wish it was 15. Yeah. so why not buy now so yeah. with the, the, that's one thing that I've, uh, kind of treated myself to yeah but at the same time rolexes seem to kind of hold the weight when yeah. it comes to the money and bitcoin hopefully goes back up yeah so in the in the end it's still an investment hopefully i'll be able to pull that money back out one day so yeah definitely like you said like the, the bitcoin thing is it's just fear and greed and emotions yeah. and uh you know, people change as the market changes and it is what it is. But yeah, that is, it's nice to see because you've worked hard and once you've, you, once you acquired the business, all those perks are to come with it. But it's cool how you, you delayed the gratification. So you're yeah. like, because like, I know that the balance that was rolled over into the bank, mm -hmm. you could have took a real nice deal for you if you yeah. wanted to, right? But you know, it's good that you sort of thought, look, let me take a step back. They've been writing stuff on bits of paper. Yeah. <laughs> we don't really know where we're at. So yeah. I'm going to wait. So that's cool. And obviously you've got the big day coming up as well. So that's awesome. So if I was to ask you um, this next question, if you was to, if you had to give one piece of advice to somebody that's entering the M&A space for the first time, what would it be? Always be the buyer. That is the main thing that I learned. I mean, I remember you asking me that question last time and I, I answered it about always build good rapport. Yeah. But I think if you're that kind of person anyway and you are quite sociable and you, you like to have a chat with different people, I think you'll build good rapport unless the seller's a bit of a... Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. if he's not giving you much, you're never going to get anything out of him anyway. Yeah. So I feel like if you're a nice person anyway and you do enjoy a good conversation, the rapport's going to be there whether you, you, you mean to do it or not. Because like you say, I never went in there with the aim of... I've got to get along with this seller as mm. much as I can. That was never the goal. Mm. It was just about building a relationship and saying, oh, you've got a great business. If you're willing to sell it, I'm willing to buy it. Yeah. And then let's see where it goes. But now, I'd definitely say always be the buyer because there's a few phone calls that I had 
just after I, we was dealing with the acquisition mm. and I let them know that I felt intimidated. I let mm. them feel like they was in control mm. and they was pushing stupid numbers and I felt like I couldn't go back to them. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll try and make that number work. When really, it was never going to work. If it worked, then the business had fold within six months anyway. So there was no point even talking about the number. Yeah. So now it's more of, I know what your company's worth, mm. but at the same time, I want to create a win-win. Yeah. So I don't want you to feel like, oh, I've been ripped off. I want to build a relationship and I want to get to a, a certain point where we both go, yeah, I'm happy selling and I'm happy buying, so why not? Yeah. So just before we, we, we close it out, for you, what does always be a buyer mean? So if, if someone was listening to this now, to give them some context around it, what does that mean to you? Be in control of the conversation. Yeah. Tell them what your plans are. If they feel like, they might have a magical number in their head, but if they feel like you're the right person, they'll be willing to bend that magical mm. number down to meet a point where there is a win-win. Mm. So if you're always in control and going, right, well, this is how much I think your company's worth, this is the, the equation that I did to get to that value, mm. give a reason behind it, but always make sure that they know they're selling the company to you. And, and it's not more of a... It's not a... Um, it's not a, like just on, on the whim. Like yeah. they're not going to spend a day talking to you and then go, "Oh yeah, he's the right guy," yeah. and then that's it. You just tell him a number. It's not going to happen. So you've always got to be in control and build the good relationship with the seller. Yeah, definitely. So we're oh, just over halfway through the year, right? What's your end of year goals for the group? So you know you've you, you've you've got the first one now. Are you looking for one, two more? Because at the end of the day, I always said, sustainable level. Yeah, I always said two more. Yeah. And I said two more shops. Yeah. But the, these companies that I'm speaking to now where they've got a huge depot and then four shops that all feed off that. Wow, so yeah. I don't know yeah, yeah. I don't know how to bend my target. I don't know <laughs> okay. whether that would be smashing my target yeah. or two more sales. I'm going to go with two more sales. Well, either way, growing, right? Yeah, so growing, definitely. growing from there. So yeah, look, it's amazing what you're doing, mate. Um, especially to see you grow the company. You know, you dived in the deep end. Um, business isn't easy. Um, you know, you found out how I would say find out how the money flows in the business. You did that very quickly. Yeah. You've improved the business, so definitely gonna be interesting to see. You know, where the group's at three years from now, and we're definitely gonna have you back on and see where you're at at the end of the year. Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. Cheers.